0: Welcome to the Women of Steel podcast. My name is Nia Singleton and I'm a woman working in a man's world. The steel industry is overwhelmingly male. At Tata Steel, only 11% of our employees are women and most of us are concentrated within white collar and office based roles. With a plethora of fantastic manufacturing positions at our fingertips, why is it then that we don't occupy those positions? Is it due to family or caring commitments? Is it because we feel we don't belong? Is a traditionally male workplace really somewhere we should be encouraging our women to work? Well, I'm here to tell you that we do belong and we should take those opportunities. And while there may not be many of us yet, we have a number of trailblazing women carving career paths that many of us aspire to follow. Across this series, I will be talking to those women the women who have challenged the status quo, pioneers in their field. So sit back and join us for a conversation on career choices, gender and what it means to be a successful woman in a man's world. Today's guest is Natalie Young. Natalie is Head of Legal for Property at Tatter Steel Europe. She joined the industry in 2009 as a solicitor in the property team. Prior to that, she had worked in private practice and briefly for the NHS. Natalie gained her law degree at Hull University, but outside of work, she has a number of hobbies that include playing various musical instruments and singing in a choir, which is why you shouldn't be surprised when I tell you that Natalie actually had an ambition to be a rock star when she was a little girl. So Natalie, where did it all go wrong or <laughs> did you just go going the right direction with your path towards a career in legal?
1: I think that's a really good question, Nia. Um, I was very young when I decided to become a lawyer. I was about nine years old at the time, and I don't have any role models in my immediate family that are in the law. Um, I think it probably came from watching it on TV and already being quite prone towards making my own arguments on each side of the case and putting them forward. (laughs) I think it's probably better for humankind at large that I didn't become a rock star. I don't think anybody needs that. But, um, But yes, it's actually very difficult for me to remember exactly what it was that um, triggered it but I know at that age I was watching things like Rumpole of the Bailey and things and I think that sort of took my imagination and I was already very bookish um, yeah. so that made me quite determined from that age onwards and I never really left that path.
0: So you, you so you say there was nobody in your family who sort of had a career in law or was a solicitor and um, so you, you decide inspired by um, TV programmes and what I suppose as a child what you think the career is going to be so you forge ahead then through education um, and with this sort of single-minded goal then to become a solicitor and uh, so then you um, apply and you end up in Hull University. How did you find that?
1: Uh, that was actually an incredibly good experience. I, um, my time at Hull couldn't have been better really. I had some exceptional people to learn from. Um, you were just immersed in this Uh, World of knowledge um, with people that really brought it to life. Um, And I did have some uh, touching points on the way to getting there to make sure that this was what I wanted to do. So I was very lucky in that my parents arranged a work experience for me when I was 15 with a solicitors firm that they um, knew through work themselves. So I got to go and shadow that for three weeks um, to see what they did. And that's when I sort of knew it was for me. But I would say um, Hull was um, absolutely my formative experience. Um, I got a broad uh, experience of various areas of law with people who made you really passionate about it.
0: Because it is always seemed to me as a a very intense um, degree to take. And, you know, there's lots of education that you have to do following gaining your degree. So what was what was your first job like? Can you describe what it's like being a sort of a junior solicitor in a
1: firm? it is very intense um you finish your well there's different ways to qualify now um obviously I'm quite a way down the line and things have changed in terms of the process but at the time you would do your degree then do your postgrad um and then you would start your what was called your training contract so you spend two years on the job as a, as a trainee solicitor yeah um and at that point in time you're less used than the secretaries really so you are Um, starting from scratch you know everything in the books but you don't know anything about practice or business or commerce so you're a very limited resource and it's a vertical learning curve it really is and there's a lot of long hours there's a lot of expectations on you um, and there's very much a pressure not to make any mistakes um, certainly if you do make any to learn from them very swiftly and you're given a lot of responsibilities quite early so that pressure is there as well
0: it would seemed to me as well that it that it like you say it is a very steep learning curve and yeah you can't make mistakes can you because you know the opposing counsel can sort of um you know go into go to town with that then and um, you could lose a case or whatever so what were you specializing in then when you first left university or training in to specialize in
1: so you have to do uh, one contentious and one non contentious seat you have four seats on your training contract yeah. so i did litigation as my contentious and then I did employment, corporate law and property with an element of tax planning um, as well during the rest of my training contract. You then get the opportunity to choose your area of what you specialise in once you reach the end of your training contract, if indeed you're offered a job. That sounds really heavy.
0: <laughs> it really
1: does <laughs> sound heavy to me. Um, I, 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 yeah, really enjoyed it. I've got to say, um, I'm still close friends with a lot of people that I knew on my training contract and in the years above and below me. Um, it's a kind of uh, unifying experience when you go through it together. <laughs> um, I mean, there It is a very work hard, play hard atmosphere. So you can be working 12, 16 hour days on a relatively regular basis and then you might go off to the bars um, to network or to just let of some steam uh, together. So there's quite a bond. And in fact, most of the people that I know are still in touch with the people they trained with because you have this sort of shared experience together.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. And it's quite a male dominated um, industry, isn't it? Law. Yeah. How do you think that as a young woman, you know, uh, starting your career?
1: Well, I'd say that's definitely changed over the course of the last um, 15, 20 years. There is a split between solicitors and barristers. Barristers is still much more male dominated. Um, Solicitors are now moving much. I think we're about 50-50 now, um, but that tends to be more female dominated. And I think that's quite interesting in itself. So being a barrister is you're effectively self-employed and you're on your own. um, And that seems to draw more men to that profession than women. Whereas being a solicitor, you're employed, you're part of a team, and that has a much higher percentage of females in it.
0: So why do you think that is then? Because we're consistently told now that it's like women can have it all and be your own boss and, you know, you'll be living the dream. So you would think then that maybe more women would perhaps lean towards becoming a barrister for that sort of the benefits of being your own boss?
1: Yeah, I've seen some more come through, but I still think there's an element of the female psyche where you have to be very driven and very confident to take on that role where you know whilst you might be in chambers so there's a group of people around you doing the same thing you're still ultimately an individual on your own that's responsible for carving out your own career and you do have to take on a lot of debt up front so you've also got to be comfortable with that and it just tends to be that I, I find women veer away from that they prefer being part of that team part of that structure with a um planned progression throughout your career that you tend to get in solicitors firms
0: because you then work for a number of years didn't you in private practice yes.
1: um so how, how many years were you working uh for a private firm so i was uh two years as a trainee and then a, a little shy of five as a qualified solicitor
0: so what made you want to to leave that um legal practice then and and join the steel industry
1: combination of things really um I really enjoy the academic and the intellectual side of law. But by the time the client came to you, you were recording a deal that was already done. And it might be adapted during the process of negotiation and going through that transaction, but you didn't have that much input into it. And I really enjoyed the transactions where I did have more commercial input and thought around how that was going to work out with the business in the long term future. So I knew that's where my passion was. Mm. And the only real way to broaden that and that involvement is to go in-house.
0: So you you come in-house to the steel industry. And what what's your first impressions then?
1: The scale of it was epic. Yeah. I had no idea. Um, absolutely no concept of what the size of the plant would be, the nature of the process, how big an industry this industry is and how important it is.
0: And um, I think... That can be overwhelming then, can't it? It's like, wow, there's so many thousands of people work here. We've got sites across the UK. And it is, again, it's another steep learning curve, isn't it, to try and navigate this industry and this business because it is very... um, it's very relationships driven, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, It's not, it's not who you know, but it, it does help to know a lot of people in this industry. So it's often tough, I find, for people when they're coming in and from another industry in, in two hours if they haven't grown up into it, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those fascinating things when you speak to people who either have a line of relatives before them that have worked in the industry, the knowledge that they have from that is quite remarkable. Mm. Um, one of the guys that I met literally my first week, um, used to do the property work up at Scunthorpe. And his uncle worked on the coke ovens there. So he'd actually gone on to site since he was five years old. (laughs) By the time he retired, he was 73, I think. So (laughs) it had a lifetime of contact with the steel industry. But you can meet people whose fathers worked on the same area of the plant as them. And their grandfather, so they talk about it around the table. They have all this. It's in their blood. I find it fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. But you're right, it is difficult when you come in as, um, as a newbie. Um, mm. And to be frank, even at 10 years into the business, I still consider myself to be a newbie, um, <laughs> certainly compared to many others. Yeah. But it's, it's building that network um, yeah. when you come in is very difficult. You need people to help you with that. I think there are now more networks in place and the use of things like Yammer um, does help with that. But you also need that confidence to reach out and get hold of the people that you're going to need to build a relationship with. And that can be very challenging.
0: You know, law is very relationships driven as well, isn't it? I would say, you know, and because you have to gain the trust of, of your clients, as it were, and yeah. they they need to understand all oh, the business, you know, is the client for you, we need, needs to have faith that you're doing, doing your job properly and you're going to see us
1: right <laughs> in a absolutely- way yeah no you're absolutely spot-on. it's critical. So there, there are an awful lot of lawyers out there, and mm. the way you differentiate yourself and make yourself indispensable to that client is by knowing their business and by understanding their commercial drivers and then delivering on them. and And then you do inevitably build a um a close friendship. Um, I think when they when they trust you in that way and they rely on that way, and you work together for a number of years, I mean, I've been to numerous christenings. Children's birthdays, all sorts of things, and we still, you know, even though I've been out of private practice for um, well over ten years now, um, we still send cards for Christmases and birthdays and things like that because it's a there's a bond there with my clients. But that's what stops them going to other law firms. If you were just immediately interchangeable with someone else who could read the same books as you, then there's nothing to keep people to be loyal with you. Um, So that all comes from taking the time to know their business.
0: So would you say that's been one of the biggest challenges for you then is is developing that network and having that good team around you then of people that you can rely upon and that they can rely upon you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm very lucky with the team I've got as a core property team. They are all highly motivated and really helpful um, and very driven. So that part has been very easy. But because I deal with the properties that TSE has around the globe, There was a lot of um, emailing financial controllers at sites in the US, Asia, um, Australasia before we sold the business, you know, all these places to introduce myself, see if I could get some time in their diary for a phone call, Mm -hmm. Uh, if I was going over there for a project to arrange time to meet up, that sort of thing, and to build those relationships.
0: Have you had any mentors in the workplace that have helped you and guided you um, in, in sort of building those relationships?
1: Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, So when I was in private practice I had a really good mentor who had a plan both for my development as a lawyer and my development in terms of my career track so that would be learning to network bringing business in, landing clients, that sort of side of things as well and he worked on that really closely with me and what worked about that process was I always understood what goals I needed to get to to reach my next levels and to get to where I want to get to so I understood why I was doing certain things and that was a constant process of constructive criticism and development which was really good mm-hmm. and then I've had people help as well within Tata my current boss my direct manager asked me up front in the first couple of weeks when I started role about what I'd need to become better at my job and really to contribute and I said I'd, I need a better understanding of steel making and I need to be, build a network of contacts so within the first few months, I'd got tours arranged of Port Talbot, uh, of um, some of the other downstream sites, um, so Skinning Grove, Hartlepool, other places. And he started introducing me to um, a lot of people that he knows, so the MDs and the FDs and people mm-hmm. like that, and then the key ops guys that would be doing property work. So that really helped. And then it was just a question of me filling in the gaps yeah. where those contacts didn't already exist. Because Could-
0: we don't have very many um, female role models within the industry. What is is your take on um, female role models um, or just female representation in the workplace?
1: I think they're really important. Um, uh, There are some people who will always push ahead, irrespective of whether they can see that someone's already managed to achieve what they want to achieve. But there are a far greater number of women, in my experience, and indeed other minorities, who are perfectly capable of doing those roles and can really contribute something valuable but they may not be quite so fearless so representation means that those people can see that their goal is achievable and it gives them hope which may spur them on when they've got some barriers to overcome
0: that's the crux of it really isn't it is that we need to be able to see somebody who's sort of looks like us or yeah. um, had a similar path to ours and um, because it almost makes it feel more realistic that we could achieve then, isn't it? And like I say, we don't have that many female role models. And so I think you, you yourself will be a, fem- uh, a role model to a number of people within the industry. Do you f- see that, uh, or, and do you take that on board and try and mentor others or fe- women within your team?
1: Yeah, I, I do mentor people, um, not just women, um, to be perfectly honest. Um, so within my team. I do a lot of work on their personal development plans, I also do some work with some people in the wider business on them mm-hmm. and contribute to the way in which they develop, but I do feel that as um, someone that's more than 15 years qualified, so I'm quite a long way down the legal route, you've got a choice when you reach that point in your career, you can either pull up the ladder after you or you can reach your hand down and help people up. Yeah. And I personally feel we've got an obligation to do the latter. So, I have been involved in mentoring, I was involved in mentoring people whilst I was in private practice. I've done it throughout the course of my career through the Women in Property Network um, and I've also taken on some mentees both in Tata and through, um, I became a member of the Chartered Management Institute so I've taken on some people there that I work with.
0: That is absolutely fantastic because I love what you say, you know, you can either pull up the drawbridge can't you or you can let it down and, and pull others along with you and that's so important isn't it um i think it's vital yeah what have you been most proud of um over your career to date
1: i think there's a there's a lot of things i'd say i'm i'm proud of um i have well we've already discussed it but i've mentored a lot of people and i really enjoyed seeing them grow and develop um several of them now have reached quite significant senior mm-hmm. positions in other organizations which does make me feel old but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really nice to see them um, move on and get recognition. Um, and I had a lovely moment only a couple of months ago. Uh, one of my former mentees actually um, dropped me a message on LinkedIn because um, she was just going for a new role within her organization. And uh, I'd completely forgotten the conversation we'd had. It must be 10, 12 years ago now, wow. but she remembers it. And she just said, you may not remember this, but she left the firm I was with in private practice and gone to another firm. Mm-hmm. And then just had a crisis of confidence, felt completely out of a depth and rang me. Um, so I sort of talked her through it and um, talked her about the skills I saw in her and her potential that I saw and why I felt she would be fine doing this role. And this was just one of those moments where teething troubles, you're settling in, yeah. Um. give it some time and then you would feel that you were more competent and in that role. And she t- sent me this message and said, you talked me down that day. I was seriously considering quitting. And because of you, I stayed got promoted then moved on to this organization and I haven't looked back since so thank you for that and I'd completely forgotten we'd (laughs) had that conversation and I had no idea it had that impact but it was such a lovely thing for somebody to take the time to come and come back to you about and to say thank you for so that was lovely.
0: Oh my gosh that is fantastic I would be so proud because like you say you don't you don't always know the impact that your words can have on others Um, you know in a a positive way or a negative way I suppose Um, but that that's what it's all about isn't it that's it is that's what the golden star you went as a mentor isn't it to to receive that type of message that you know the words that you gave them and the advice that you gave them really helped spur them on
1: yeah it was it's a beautiful thing to get and that's a real blessing um so that was lovely I'm really pleased for her
0: now, you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, working as a trainee solicitor, you're doing sort of 16-hour days and it's sort of work hard, play hard. And I hope you're not still doing 16 hours. <laughs> you know, we need to have words with somebody in HR. about that. But, um, how do you manage sort of? Work life, home life, because I imagine it's still quite high pressure your job.
1: Yeah, there, there can still be long hours, especially when you've got a big transaction on. Um, yeah. So there will be times when it peaks and troughs. There's a lot of peaks and troughs in what I do. Um, so I think the important thing for me is to have something outside of my working life, which I've committed to, that I need to do, that I really enjoy, that gives me a positive feeling back from it. So yeah. for me, I sing in a choir which does a lot of community work, particularly with kids who struggle with confidence. Oh. Um, so I am I know that I've got one slot a week where I need to, well, prior to the pandemic, physically be there, um, yeah. now online. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, do, I love singing anyway. There's that feeling that um, it gives me a feeling of um, just stress release and just real enjoyment. But I also get a big kick out of seeing other people and particularly kids because it's just so... Mm. Um, unadulterated when they do it but the um the passion that they have for it and the joy that they get out of it is great oh, that's
0: what, so you you haven't actually let go of your Freddie Mercury dreams have you <laughs> <laughs> not, not entirely you got
1: to be honest yeah, the crown and caper in the back room I'll just be bringing them out anytime
0: <laughs> but no I, I think um having some sort of creative outlet is is a good stress reliever and singing I'm with you I love to sing it is a good stress reliever and it sort of releases those endorphins doesn't it it's, yeah, it's fab
1: and I mean I, I go to the gym as well and I work out and I do yoga so those sort of things help and I, I recommend mindfulness to everybody that I work with because I think that really helps to balance you up and to just take that time to focus on yourself because in a in a very busy world we don't tend to take a lot of time for ourselves so just taking a moment's pause I think is a really good thing but yeah, I thoroughly recommend singing as a as a stress release, even if it's just in the car at the top of your voice.
0: I know. I, I, I love to sing in the car. And then I get to the end of my journey and I wonder, wow, people have seen me
1: thinking I am Beyonce. You know, <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> oh,
0: it's, you know it's embarrassing, really, but, you know, it's fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do get some funny looks from the people going the other way.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> if you were to speak to 18-year-old you... What words of advice would you
1: give her? I think I'd have a few life lessons. Um, My first one would be don't be afraid to fail. I had a lot of people tell me from a young age that being a lawyer was overly ambitious for a girl so I felt I couldn't ever be seen to be wrong Um, and the reality is that many innovations only um, come about through experimentation and very very few people do everything flawlessly so people do fail and it's better (laughs) to try. But I, th- I needed to get over that own personal experience, I think, till I was comfortable embracing that. I think we've had a lot of conversations in the company recently about dare to try, don't be afraid to fail. I think that that's a change in mentality that's coming about organisationally, albeit slowly. So that's something that I would definitely tell my 18-year-old self and probably try and get myself to embrace it sooner. I think Secondly um, one thing I would definitely recommend particularly to other women is to ask for help when you need it and to tell people what your ambitions are. There are so many people around who will be happy to help you develop but they're not telepathic so and they're very busy so they need to know from you what you need and they may have their own views on whether that is indeed what you need or maybe other things outside of that that you haven't thought about but By asking those people to help you and to tell them this is where you want to get to, you've got a much better chance of getting there.
0: That's really good advice, actually, isn't it? Around telling people yeah, what your ambition is, because it can almost feel boastful or um, maybe a bit self-absorbed. You know, look at me, I'm going to be the director, you know. And maybe that's not um, something that we tell our girls to be like, you know, maybe it, we sort of tell girls to to be to be small and to be demure and not to be brash and open and confident in that way. So I think actually, you're very right there, isn't it? It's about people are not telepathic. They can't know where you want to be in, in your career. You have to tell them.
1: No, it's very true. And um, it, there's some really interesting studies that I've read through the Chartered Management Institute stuff, but they are there's a huge gap between the genders um, in terms of men are so much more likely to ask for a promotion than women are and to put themselves forward. Women often feel that they've got to do further qualifications or take on further responsibilities before they will put themselves forward. And women are much less likely, they they will ask for much less if you're negotiating a salary change. Men will always ask for much more salary-wise than women will. And these are independent studies that are done across huge samples and these are continuous trends um, so I do think we teach women to uh, expect less demand less and that it's not very really ladylike to ask <laughs> or, to, yeah. or certainly not to push yeah um, and you do have to push a bit I've got to be to, particularly in an industry like ours or in law um, that has come a long way forward I would say from when I started out but you've you've got to stake your claim and put yourself forward and that's not a very feminine trait or it's certainly not considered to be traditionally
0: so much good advice there and not just for 18 year old you if you had a time machine to go back but I think (laughs) for all of us you know about let's push ourselves let's be ambitious but let other people know what our ambitions are um, and you know the steps we can take to achieve those goals and
1: like you say be a bit pushy yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's probably it would probably be called something else if a if a guy was doing it. Let's be honest. Um, I I would say I'm directive um, a lot of the time, but the traditional word that people use for that for women is bossy. Whereas with men, it, it'll be called leadership. So yeah. you you do get that terminology and that sort of inherent bias in it. So you. You might say a woman's pushy when they're asking for these things, but you'd probably say they're driven if they're male. So I tend to be very careful around my language like that. I would say I am driven. I do put myself forward, and I would recommend to other women that they also be likewise. And don't accept being told that's being bossy or being pushy. It's exactly what your male counterparts will be doing.
0: So to all the women listening to this now, let's go out, let's have a meeting with our line managers and ask for a raise. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Tell them where we want to be in the organisation.
1: <laughs> Maybe not quite that, but <laughs> I mean, one of the things I always say to my mentees is that you've got to be prepared to be very honest when you're appraising yourself. So there's nothing wrong with identifying your weak spots as well as your strengths, and you've got to be prepared to work on those to progress. You know, and everybody has them, so there's no shame in owning those weaknesses and or areas for development, I should say, and then building a plan to work on them. And that is what helps you progress, I think.
0: And finally, do you feel that um, this industry is the fit for you? Are you happy to be in steel? Do you see yourself progressing within the steel industry over the next five, ten years?
1: I really love the steel industry. I'm really passionate about it, actually. I love the people. I think our industry is really important. So I, I really enjoy it. And my work is always interesting to me. I don't have a single day that's the same as another. So I really enjoy the variety and the challenges that come with it. I don't particularly have a passion to follow the traditional route for a lawyer within these businesses. So the tradition is to sort of push to become general counsel (GC), and that's not really where I want to go. Um, I enjoy the more business orientated roles, so I'm open to other opportunities. I think it'll be there'll be other in, there's been interesting projects I've been given along the way to also develop myself and expand my skills. I'm now a director on Ravenscraig Limited, which is a joint venture we have with Scottish government and a house builder to redevelop the old site that we got up at Ravenscraig in Scotland. But that's the largest development site in a public and private yeah. um, working together in Europe. So that's a huge project and really interesting and really challenging. And it is a big thing in anyone's career. So I enjoy those sort of hands-on, things and um, and I'm happy doing that sort of work and yeah. I'm, I'm happy with a lot of the other challenges that have been brought along the way. I suppose
0: we can always be sure of variety and, and challenge within the steel industry in any case. Oh definitely. <laughs> it's never boring is it?
1: No never. I can have large scale merger and acquisition transactions you know the separation of the company other things like that to work on through to critical pipelines to work on, trespasses on site, anywhere in between, building a new unit somewhere. Somebody drops us a line and says we need a 200,000 square foot shed and it needs to be able to do this and <laughs> do that. Can we get it done? Um, we also do a lot of work in our department on taking some of our land that's never really been used for mm-hmm. the steel processes itself and it's still sitting there as bare grass. Mm-hmm. And we go and get planning permission to build houses on it and other things like that to bring cash in. So there's there's a huge variety um available of work and it can it will keep you very interested if you do want to do it.
0: Yeah. Well there's lots to keep you busy and in, in any case.
1: <laughs> there is, yeah, it keeps me out of trouble. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time and talking to me today. I have thoroughly enjoyed um speaking with you and learning more about career in law. And your sort of your journey through into our industry as well. So thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, thank um, you. Thank you. Take care. From dreams of rock stardom as a young girl, it was seeing solicitors on television programmes as a child that sparked Natalie's interest in a career in law. And work experience as a young teen cemented that this was the path for her and she pushed and achieved her career dreams. It does sound like a tough environment to work but the camaraderie of the fellow trainees and some great mentors along the way helped her see her through those long days in the office. She's committed to mentoring and developing her direct team and others around her, and Natalie gave some excellent advice that we can all take from. Be direct, own your own career, let others know what you want to achieve, but also work hard to achieve it. But it's always important to be honest with yourself on what you need to work on. And um, Maybe let's not all rush to our manager for a raise just yet then. Natalie, thank you for being so open and honest. It was a pleasure. And maybe we should set up a Teams choir session soon. I mean, I'll I'll bring my best of fiancé back in tracks.